The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tech Cat Show. This is Lori H. Schwartz, your friendly neighborhood tech cat, and I am calling you from sunny California, and we have a great show today. We are going to be talking to Mr. Jeff Taylor, who I am calling the Tech Crunch Guy. And Jeff is a seasoned executive who's focused on sponsor relations at TechCrunch. And if you aren't familiar, if you've been sleeping under a rock perhaps, TechCrunch is one of the most well-known publishers of content around technology. And specifically around startups, TechCrunch runs this fantastic conference called TechCrunch Disrupt, which we're going to learn more about. But Jeff is intimately involved with TechCrunch Disrupt. And because of that, he's quite brilliant about the startup scene. And um, we are going to talk today about what his role is at TechCrunch and then just all these great insights about what's really going on in the startup world today. So ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jeff Taylor, the TechCrunch guy. Yay! Hey, Jeff. Hello, Lori. It's nice to be with you. Thank you for the kind words. <laughs> well, it's so easy to be kind to the kind, really. You know? <laughs> well, yes. We should all be taking good care of each other. So, especially these days, right? right. So, so, tell us about yourself, because uh, I, I find you fascinating, but I know my audience will, too. So, so give us your background. So, Lori, I've been knocking around technology for 30-some years now. I mean, I should have died of old age 10 or 12 years ago. <laughs> I started out my career building some of the early networks. And, you know, I've, been, I've, been, I've done a number of things that range from, you know, at one point I built and ran the largest telemedicine network in the country. I did some of the early distance education networks with the National Science Foundation. I've done business in various guises uh, and most of the continents of the world. I ran South America as a selling engineer for a while. And I came over to TechCrunch about four years ago after having met their new director of events, Joey Henson. And I have to tell you, this is the best job I've ever had. I get to have the most interesting conversations around. And I get to work with a team of people who are not only dedicated and intelligent, but exceptionally well-versed in what the cutting edge happening in our world is around, around the startup scene. And that's kind of what TechCrunch is. I mean, we, we obsessively report about startups. We report on the entire um, landscape of, of technology. And so our, our, we're very fortunate to have such a great network of, of reporters that, that help us to cast a really large brand halo. My job at TechCrunch, I work to expose the return on investment on our conference floor. And then I help companies craft programs to execute against that. That's fantastic. I'm sorry. I was actually on mute there for a second, and you were being so eloquent that I just was like, oh, you sound so great. 
<laughs> and I love hearing uh, about TechCrunch because for me as a, a, a strategist and someone who has been bringing technology insights into the um, brand and media world, TechCrunch has become sort of a guiding light to me. Um, and so I first went to my first TechCrunch Disrupt last year where you were kind enough to host me. So can you, can you talk a little bit about Disrupt and how Disrupt became born, basically, and, and, and what it's all about? Sure. So we run three Disrupt events annually. New York is always held in May in Silicon Alley. Um, in Silicon Valley, we always do that in September. And Disrupt London is our EMEA event for both Europe and points east. TechCrunch was born through the efforts of primarily Michael Arrington. There were, there were several people who were involved. And it started with Crunch Fund as, as an investment network. And in terms of showing off those investments and kind of raising their value in, in the Silicon Valley, TechCrunch Disrupt started out as the, 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 the TechCrunch 50 or the Crunch 50. And so they were showing off a lot of the best startups that were, that were in the Valley. And they started building an event around that that now consists of two primary parts. So our main stage at TechCrunch is famous. It's famous for bringing the heavyweights of the industry and to hash it out with the TechCrunch editorial staff. And our stage is, is different than some stages in that we never have a pay-to-play. So our content is always fresh, it's always original, and it is born of our interest in the industry. No sponsorships and no money will get you on the TechCrunch stage. Secondly, we don't ever hand the microphone to somebody. So it's always interview, it's always panel, and we don't ever give our, our guests on our stage the questions beforehand. And it's not so much that we do hit pieces, because we don't do that, because we're interested in content. We're interested in fresh, original, and interest and exciting content on our stage. And so we've had everybody from Snoop Dogg launching his uh, Mary Jane startup last year to Mark Zuckerberg giving us his first appearance after their IPO. Wow. I, d I did see Snoop Dogg. I was there for the Snoop Dogg thing, and I remember thinking, what's he doing there? I mean, even knowing his cannabis predilection, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. But, um, but then, then I listened and I was blown away by he's kind of a savvy businessman. And what was happening on the stage was a discussion about the business of medicinals, right. which is huge. And so I was kind of blown away by him and that and just what was happening there. Plus, the whole environment that I physically was in was surrounded by companies, by, by startups. And so it was kind of a mind blow. Yeah, it is. And, and, and that was really, really original content. We don't do a lot of puff pieces. So when people get on our stage, we ask real questions about real issues. And our editors are all extremely savvy in, in terms of trying to get at a story that people are interested in hearing. The, the other part of Disrupt is we're, what we do in our conference floor. So in, in San Francisco last year, for example, we ran probably 500 startups on our floor during the three days of the conference. And we have a couple of ways that startups get on our floor. We, we have what we call our Startup Alley product, where a startup for a couple of grand gets one day to demo and three days worth of tickets on our floor. We also run our startup Battlefield, which is, which is preeminent with us. So through, through a process of pitch-off and, and through application, 
we'll go through a thousand or fifteen hundred startups and whittle those down to God, twenty or twenty five. I know, right? Isn't that amazing? I did, I mean, I, I know the numbers are that high, but when you hear you, you know, when you hear you say it, I'm like, oh my God, because there are even the ones that you get to see. There's so many, and yet right. there's so many that you don't get to see. And these are strong startups who are taking their first first pop above water. They're just now sticking their heads up. I mean, since since two thousand and eight. These startups have had over $6.5 billion in funding events. Wow. That's an astonishing number. I I mean, are you finding, too, that um, as as we move forward in this, that there's even more competition to get slots on the TechCrunch floor now that people know what it's about? Yes. And and where it comes from is is in the strength, strength of the startups that are applying. We find that the base level of startups who are asking for our attention keeps going up and going up and going up. I mean, it becomes phenomenal in in terms of um, uh, in terms of the scope and the breadth of what we're seeing. And every every market has its own has its own predilection, right? Has its own character. When we first went to New York, they said, "Don't bring us the Silicon Valley. We're not interested." Huh. We're Silicon Alley, and this is the way that we do things. And so you see certain characteristics about the New York market. Silicon Valley, very much the same in San Francisco. And London tends to have you know, a, a FinServe kind of characteristic, even though there's some really interesting hardware startups coming out of Berlin, coming out of, out of, out of um, Catalonia in, in uh, Barcelona. The Israeli startup scene is exceptionally hot. And so when we, when we curate these startups into our startup battlefield, you're, you're seeing the best and the brightest in the industry. And that, that battlefield also travels around, right? Because I've seen TechCrunch at CES, and usually what happens is, is it the winners that are at CES? So that that, that idea of I'm a TechCrunch winner becomes something that a startup can bang on all year long. No, that's a great catch, Lori. We run an original battlefield at CES, and it's a hardware battlefield that we run there. And so we run a specific competition for CES with all-star judges that are getting pitched to every afternoon. And we, we wade through any number of applications to create, to create that battlefield. It's become very, very popular in, in the draw that we're getting. I so, mean, yeah, that name, I mean, the brand name of TechCrunch is just so tremendous now in the space that if you can have your name associated with it, that's gold. And, and that has to do with the job that our editors do. I mean, I have to give them all the credit. We've got a network of editors who are sussing out stories across the enormous landscape of technology and managing to come up with the most interesting stories about the most interesting topics that are going on. We additionally have Crunch Report that's on, on our homepage every afternoon for four or five minutes. And so between all of that, the content that we're putting out in the world is, is extensive, exhaustive, and, and refreshing. It is, it is so amazing. Well, when we come back from our break, um, Jeff, I want to talk to you a little bit more about some of these trends that you were mentioning in terms of the regions and the type of tech that you're seeing. Because in my mind, because I have to kind of understand everything, I'm always looking at financial and automotive and media and content and everything. But I know that from where you're sitting you're seeing very specific trends in terms of, as you were saying, the region, and then also the, the actual sort of culture of the types of people that are getting into building a new company, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think that there are skill sets that we want to point at and talk about. And so, you know, after the break, we can talk about 
what does an entrepreneur actually look like and, and how do they behave? What are we seeing both domestically and internationally? And how do we segment that by market and kind of refine our view just a little bit? God, that is such a nice outro. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> I'll stay on the line. No <laughs> when we come back on the Tech Cat Show, more diving deep into the culture of startups and some of the trends that we're seeing in that space with Jeff Taylor, the TechCrunch guy. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. Lori H. Schwartz, your Tech Cat here, and we have the fabulous Jeff Taylor, who we're calling the TechCrunch guy, who is um, a head of sponsor relations at TechCrunch. And because of that, he's really sitting on top of insights around the startup community and behaviors and all the trends that are really bubbling up in technology today. And so, Jeff, you were just going to fill us in a little bit on some of the trends that you're seeing around regions and types and categories of technology with startups. Well, that's that's a little bit broad. I mean, the, the things I see come from my experience at TechCrunch. And even though I think that we do a great job, I'm certainly not arrogant to believe that we've got a lock on the characteristics of every individual market. Um, but we do see some things. And so, you know, I've been doing this, as I said, since 2012. And, you know, when, when you look at some of these markets, it's interesting kind of how they reflect the composition of the technology and some of the startups, both um, young companies and more established companies in, 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 their, in their geographies. I mean, in New York, for example, it is, it is very much not the Silicon Valley. I mean, we're all happy, hippy-dippy, work 90 hours a week kinds of people. You know, we are, we are hipster heaven. <laughs> but you, you, well, just a little taste of aloof, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you, you go to New York, and you're going to find, you know, more of a Wall Street flavor. The money looks sort of like Wall Street, even though you find traditional funders there as well. For some reason, we tend to see a little bit more hardware in New York. And so some of the, some of the maker and, and some of the hardware building space is, is a little more robust. I mean, this, this year we had um, Hacks partnered with um, Mini BMW in putting on um, OSX, the new urban operating system, or kind of the city as a service, 
which was really a very forward-thinking kind of, kind of hack entry that was all about how do we reimagine what's happening inside of our cities. So in San Francisco, we are very much Silicon Valley. And, you know, all of the trends that have been going on in, in, in the venture world, in software startups, um, in B2B and in consumer plays, it is such a rich fabric here in the Silicon Valley that, you know, the conference here ends up being much larger than New York. And, you know, when we do our Startup Alley product, we will put 50 to 100 startups on the floor on Monday. We'll rotate that with another 50 to 100 on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, we roll it again for our hardware alley. And then we have sponsored pavilions that come in from all over the world. So, you know, this year in San Francisco, for example, we'll have, we'll have a pavilion coming from Hong Kong. We'll have folks coming in from Korea. We'll have folks coming in from France. We'll have um, a, a pavilion coming in from the Ukraine. Uh, we often have Brazil. We often have Israel. So the world is sending its its best and brightest here just to touch the fabric of, of what's going on in the Silicon Valley in hopes of kind of raising their valuations, in hopes of, of raising funds, either, you know, Angel, Series A, B, on, on down the line. So in London, because London tends to take on a more financial perspective, we see a lot more FinServe in, in, in the London market at Disrupt. Hmm. But we also start to see a lot more of a lot more egalitarian startup efforts coming in from across the continent. And 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 what I mean by that is this. Yeah, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I'm like, where is he going? Take me there. Take me there. Lead. So Lori, I mean, if if you think about entrepreneurs as as a species, they're really a unique kind of animal. Um you find in an entrepreneur five or six really unique kinds of um, skill sets. You find somebody who has an idea and has some idea of how to execute against it. Whether it's building hardware, whether it's writing code, whether it's designing an application, you find somebody who has the wherewithal to think of it and then to start moving on it. You find somebody who has an idea of how to raise money. How do I put together an offering and shop it around some of the VCs or to leverage venture debt or to leverage an investment by, by one of the major corporations? And then to start doing some of the first hires. I mean, as you and I both know, in any startup, the early hires are absolutely critical in not only building an effort to get to market, but in executing a pivot if one is required in terms of presenting to the venture world in terms of, of how that goes. And then managing some of those first first hires into an organization and building a team that's going to be being able be able to get from first production into first revenue. So it's fine to get your first idea to manage that first revenue, and then how do you scale? So, so my, my question to you is, and this is a goofy question, but stick with me on it. If you if you saw two people standing next to each other. And they, you knew they were both startup folks. Would you be able to tell that one was coming out of Silicon Valley and one was coming out of you know Silicon Alley? I mean, do they are they culturally also you know do they dress differently? Is there different personalities about folks? <laughs> I'm just asking because I can instantly tell you know a New York content person from like an LA content person. You know, um, is, is one of them wearing pajamas? <laughs> There, I, I mean, LA just has the, 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 you know, the West Coast just has a certain thing. And I, I've always been curious about that, you know, as we start to look at what are the three top 
cities in the U.S. right now that are that are bringing in technology money, and it's 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 Silicon Valley, it's New York, and L.A. is kind of coming up there. Maybe falsely bolstered by one or two high-priced companies that are are creating a lot of income, but. But don't you think some of that's just cultural? I mean, that's not about the technology they're engaged in. It's about where they come from and, and how they were raised, so, don't you so, think? So it is, it is that, right? It's not this big big difference that if you come from one coast or the other in terms of technology, your behavior is that different. It's really the same kind of behaviors. That's right. And, and I'll give you one example. There's, there's a guy I know in New York that I've been talking to for a couple of years now, and they've got a watch company. And they're going to be pivoting from pure fashion to um, a fashion smart watch. This guy is so Manhattan, as soon as he opens his mouth, you've got it. And he thinks like New Yorker. He acts like a New Yorker. He's a great guy, but you would never confuse him as coming from anywhere else. You go down to SoCal, everybody knows where true food is in Santa Monica. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, I run through the accelerators on Silicon Beach periodically because there are some great companies and great efforts coming off down there. I mean, I was recently at the um, LA Ideas Festival, and um, they did a great job of of working with a guy over, um, I think it's called the Expert Dojo, who helps a lot of startups. And and all of the people coming out of there were very much Silicon Beach, but they had some great things going. So I don't I don't think I don't think, you know, SoCal is really really behind. I think the density and the characteristics are just a little are a little bit different yeah. than what we see up in, in NorCal, where the population is so dense. I mean, what I've heard, just a, an analogy I've heard, is that out of Silicon Valley, you'll you'll have more of the engineer type of person, more of the. Um, you know the geeky person. Um, um, they they tend to talk a little bit on um, sort of um, engineering like. Whereas out of out of um, out of California, out of Santa Monica, um, Los Angeles, you'll get more of that content person who will talk more creatively and not as as nerdy. You know, so you're starting to see that they'll have a little bit more of a Hollywood thing about them. You know, I, th- I think that's I think that's an interesting comment. I, yes, and and I, I've seen some of that, and I attribute that to the sheer density of geeks in the Silicon Valley. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. I mean, I am often listen. The the reason I have a career is because I'm often brought into the room to translate what that engineer is talking about to a media company, a brand, a creative, or something. Because there seems to be a breakdown, and I think a lot of the startups in Santa Monica are tend to be more content oriented and so you have people that are passionate about content so it's a different um you know a different kind of thing but do you think that um the money is going to continue to flow to invest in these startups i mean is that changing at all so people people are talking about um, a slowdown in investment capital, and I can't really say that that I see that. Now, I haven't seen gross numbers for this year, so I, I can't give you any accurate numbers, and this is absolutely and purely anecdotal. But I think that um, the amount of raise that's going out there has, hasn't really slowed so terribly much this year, and I think it's cyclical. Look, money's always looking for, for a place to go to earn a return. Right, and Silicon Valley, Silicon Alley, London—I mean, all of these startup opportunities are just one place that money can go. When you look at the major corporations, we get calls regularly from the Fortune 10, the Fortune 50, the Fortune 100, who were looking to align with 
to work with, um, to acquire innovation on a massive scale to satisfy internal needs and to satisfy brand brand needs. You've seen this. Yes, so, totally. Yeah, I mean, the, so the sources of where the money's coming from speak to is speak to that that rate of flow as as much as anything else does. I mean, if you look at some of the heat maps in terms of where money's coming from, where money's going, I think it's really fascinating when you look at global flows. So oh, you'll Jeff, see- Jeff, hold on one second. We have to take a break. So keep that money flows idea because that's a, a brilliant topic in itself. And we're going to be back in a moment with Jeff and more on what's going on in the investment community and TechCrunch with the TechCrunch man. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we are back with the fabulous Jeff Taylor, the TechCrunch man, who is head of sponsor relations at TechCrunch, and he has just been filling us in on fabulous insights about the startup ecosystem. And we were talking a little bit about how the money flows, um, you know, where where it comes from, where it's going, and, and is it still coming in fast and hard from these VCs? And one of the, the fun facts that I heard, Jeff, and maybe you can tell me if this is true, is that the incubator model isn't really working so well. And that, um, in, you know, there used to be so many incubators that would create a model where they would house, you know, 10 startups and then launch them in a year and hopefully they got their investment back. So I'm, I'm wondering if you could fill us in a little bit about, is that still a model for, for launching new companies? You know, look, incubators and accelerators are a great idea. Because founders, in, in, in their infinite creativity and, and, and their, their no-kidding talent, always need a place where they can get a leg up and, and get, get going. And that's what an incubator does, right? Come to my house. I'll give you a little bit of money, and I'll give you a, you know, I'll give you a typewriter and, 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 a, and a oscilloscope, and you're going to generate something really great. Oscilloscope? <laughs> well, that is a $25 word right there, oscilloscope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, right? I, I used to call it just an oscillator. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> and then, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll make some stuff, and, and hopefully you'll hit in the market, and you're going to make me a pot of money. So – when incubators, then all of a sudden, everybody had an incubator. Everybody had an accelerator with all of their various goals and all of their personalities. 
the money that was surrounding them. So you get somebody from an idea to some kind of a first product. Well, then what happens? Well, then you're competing in the marketplace. So what happens is, is that the more startups there were that were pitching their first products, the more noise of the environment came and the more crowded it became. So one of the things that um, incubators started doing is paying attention to the fact that getting from a first product to first revenue and then to scale and then to decent revenue was just as problematic as getting from first idea, getting from idea to first product. So you started seeing um, um, incubators adding layers that would include how do I do my first hires? How do I get my product to scale? How do I do my first marketing and some of my first product agreements so that you're increasing the likelihood of, of, of an incubator producing a unicorn? And, and I think it's been fairly successful for the incubators that have done that well, right? So when the, the proliferation of incubators and, and, the, and, and the rise of large numbers of incubators is as much responsible for the dynamic you're pointing at as, as any kind of a shift in the fundamental dynamics or, or the, underlying, um, the underlying fundamentals around an incubator. I mean, I'll, I'll point to one of the hardware um, accelerators that I'm familiar with, Hacks. They do a phenomenal job of turning out really interesting products. You can look at the Disney Accelerator as another example. Well, they really and, do, and launch, do launch a lot of companies. I mean, a lot of companies have Disney Accelerator as part of their resume, right? Well, they've had they've had two seasons now at ten or eleven companies per season. So you're talking, you know, you're talking twenty twenty five companies tops. It's not a t- it's not a big number. Yeah, but the they're very um, they do tend to be Hollywood oriented. So I t- I tend to hear about them yes. more. They, um, they, they are entertainment-oriented, but they wear got that, a large network. They, and they right? wear that badge. They wear that badge yes. of honor, right? So yes. and what's the difference between, then, an incubator and an accelerator? So the, the difference between an incubator and an accelerator is, is almost semantic in my mind. And by the way, this is, this is how I define it. So those of you who are close to textbooks will, will find something that's probably a little bit more accurate. accurate. <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> we so won't. We won't inc- quote inc- you. We won't quote you. <laughs> this is very, very good. So, an incubator and an accelerator are are the same in that they both take a, a brand new startup and help them to develop um, the provision of their services by by giving them resources. So, in an incubator, I th- in in my mind, there's a little bit less involvement. They give you some office space. They check your water cooler once or twice a day, you know, and they make sure that that you have that you have some you know some services. An accelerator is a little more hands on, in that in in this march from idea to product, you've got an accelerator who's in there with their mentor network, who's providing you know the advice on a daily basis about how you develop your product, where some of the pitfalls are, reviewing some of your progress. When you start getting close to getting your first product, they're going to open up their networks in terms of deal making. So um, we were talking about the Disney accelerator. Disney is an enormous conglomerate. So it's very, very simple for them to, to make various parts of, of the Disney organization available to any brand new startup coming out and to make sure they've got a little business behind them. But it was, so when they hit the streets, you know, the chances of them getting, getting some air and, and, and getting some traction are, are probably pretty good. So I, I I kind of define it as 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 a as an involvement sort of sort of activity as the, and, and the, a measure the the amount of involvement. Now, 
um, we, we talked about this a little bit, but when we look at what's going on in Europe and Asia, is it in parallel to what's going on in New York and California and Austin and some of the other areas in the States? Like, are they having the same sort of growth in, in tech startups? And are there different categories there that are developing? You know, this is, this is, that's a great question. And, and here's how I'm going to get at it. So the, the first answer to your question is, is yes. One of the, when we were first talking about what are the skill sets that are kind of wrapped up in um, an entrepreneur, we talked about those six or seven fairly rare skill sets, but we used to find them mostly in the Silicon Valley. Some of that was density. Some of that was funding. Some of that was about network. I mean, all of those were components in how these skill sets kind of you know, um, had some kind of generational quality to them. But what we're seeing over, we're starting to see these these kinds of skill sets all over China. I mean, their their startup scene is is very active and is is very dense. We're starting to see them in in you know Australia and South Africa and in London and in Europe and Berlin and Catalonia and I mean all over the world. The thing that I think is really interesting is, and this is something that I like talking about a lot to get people to kind of validate this thought for me, is the idea of cross border teams. And we're seeing more of this everywhere we go. And so one of the things I'm always looking for at TechCrunch are these kinds of cross-border teams, particularly between us and China. Because there's a big move afoot, and, and, and we're one of the ones who, who are trying to push this um, in terms of getting bi-directional pipelines set up for startups and for money. So you might find an American founder with a Chinese team trying to get traction, you know, in China. You might find a Chinese founder with an American team doing the same thing over here. But one of the things that I point out often is that when we have cross-border teams with, with international makeup, I think they're producing stronger efforts. I think people are developing a different understanding of various market spaces that are helping them be more competitive overall. I think the same thing of Europe and, and, and the U.S. and Europe and China. I mean, all of these kinds of mixtures, I think, are really healthy for the kinds of really stunning creativity that we're seeing in some of the, some of the startups that are out there. Well, I love this idea of cross-continent teams. And so you have... Uh, someone from America and someone from China working on a startup together? I mean, how does that even happen? Well, people run around, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they really do. <laughs> Such a long flight, too. <laughs> I know, right? I'm, I'm, I'm too big. I don't go very often because I can't afford business class. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, it's so interesting. And then you sort of get the, the, the best of both worlds. I mean, just when you look at the development, say, in what's going on with WeChat and the sophistication of how oh businesses are working inside of WeChat, and the only reason that can happen is because of the ecosystem there and how the government is sort of containing that. But there's such tremendous innovation happening within that. Oh, I think I think WeChat is one of the most innovative applications in the world. Yeah, I mean, in terms past- of robustness, it's 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 past Facebook. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just, you know, you happen to be inside of, uh, you know, a communist metaphor, but if that doesn't bother you, um, hey, we live in sort of an oligarchy, so I, I guess it's all the same, right? Well, there, there, there are some uncomfortable similarities, aren't there? <laughs> I mean, you look at the number of services that are offered inside of WeChat. In yes. Red Letter Day, over that, that the course of those 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 days that com- that are the red letter season, yes, their servers are handling over ten billion requests. Yeah, it's, and they don't it's, even breathe hard. Yeah, it's it's pre- it's pretty amazing what they've accomplished. And so then again, it's need and other dependencies that that 
that foster, you know, some of this. And so now how long have you been doing TechCrunch Disrupt? My first Disrupt was Disrupt San Francisco in 2012. And so has there been this huge change or growth or just volume in the last four or five years? Like, is it a completely different show now? Yes, yes, absolutely. Our formats are the same because there's a lasting value in the way that we talk about tech and the way we reflect what's going on out there. But yes, the, the fundamental landscape has shifted tremendously. And, you know, it's like this year. We'll be running our first Chinese track in, at, at Disrupt San Francisco with real-time translation of the stage content. We're going to be wow. running um, a China reception on Tuesday night at Disrupt, which is specifically for China-interested investors and companies. And that'll be an invitation-only reception. Um, and, and that's going to be a fascinating turn of events. And we've got some sponsors that are going to reflect this. So it's always interesting to have conversations with them and, and to learn how they see the world because it's endlessly educational. Wow. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk more to the TechCrunch man, Mr. Jeff Taylor, um, about other trends that he's seeing in technology and where he goes to keep up with everything when we come back <laughs> on the Tech Cat Show. <laughs> <laughs> We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. And welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. And we've been having a really fun conversation with Jeff Taylor, who's head of sponsorships over at TechCrunch Disrupt. Not, not head. I, I, I have a boss. Well, in my mind, you're the head. And, <laughs> and he is just so filled with insights about the world of startups and technology just because you're sitting in the middle of this fantastic ecosystem. So just for you personally, like, is there any tech that has come along that either you've seen from a startup or you've seen further develop that's really turning you on? Because I find that it, it, if it personally impacts you, you know, it's, it's a more fun thing to dig into. So, you know, that, that's, a, that's a great question. So here are some of the things that I've been seeing that I think are really interesting. I went to a China conference earlier this year that was um, run between San Francisco and um, some of the Chinese and, and investment companies. And the thing that I was so taken by was how Online lending and online financial applications have absolutely taken off. Oh, interesting. Okay. 
It is, it is fascinating. Now, of course, you know, back then, we weren't seeing quite so many advertisements for Rocket Mortgage as an example. But there are so many companies lending money, both nationally, internationally, and domestically, on, on the push of a button. The other things that I'm seeing, I think that there's a proliferation of hardware because we have so much rapid prototyping that we have unleashed what's going on in, in, in the hardware realms. Um, you know, I, I saw um, at one recent demo day I went to, there was an amazing bionic arm. Wow. Which they can 3D print in two weeks and give limb, a differently limb-abled children their first arms ever. And, and, and you know, I, I almost cried with, with joy watching these kids being able to grab something for the first time in their lives. That's and right. They, That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm pointing at, right? You've yeah. seen them. Um, Mick Ebling from, I think, the Impossible Company or something um, does a lot of work in that space where they, they go to Africa and they teach yes. they teach them how to, to use the 3D printers. Yeah, so... so and Open Bionic is, yeah, it's is really developed amazing. an arm that's just astonishing. Yeah, that's, ama- that's amazing. That stuff is amazing. What, what about stuff that just has impacted you from you know, the hobbies that you like or things that you like to do? Is there any tech that's come along and you're just like, oh, my, this has changed my life? So in my personal life, <laughs> I, I look for applications that make my life easier. And, and I have to tell you that you know, I, I tend to be a, a, a bit of, of a technological re- recluse. <laughs> a lot of gaming. Yep. I don't have a lot of apps in my life. My TV is rarely on. I value books. And the thing that really makes my life go are my relationships. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you'll find me engaged in interesting conversations like you and I so often have. Yeah, yeah. More than you will playing playing with the latest whatever that's, that's come out. So that, that that's totally totally makes sense to me because I often talk to folks who are so involved in the most cutting-edge craziness during the day in their jobs, but then in their personal life, they're very analog, and you kind of need that, that separation. I do. I you know? absolutely need that because I, 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 am, I am speaking it and walking it and talking to people about how they do their stuff every single day. I do a lot of pitch practice. So when, when startups come to, to disrupt, um, one of the things I do is I help them talk about what they do because so often entrepreneurs are good at so many things and talking about what they do doesn't happen to be one of them. Right, I, right, right. I, so it's more about human being humans. Yes. How so, do you tell somebody what, are the, what great thing you have done? Do you, do you see also, I, I forgot to ask you this, but and I think about this a lot as I watch my friends making career decisions, but is there a tendency still for startups to be 20-year-old, 20, like people that are you know, starting things 22, 23, when you don't have a mortgage and you don't have kids and you can kind of afford to be living from grilled cheese sandwich to peanut butter sandwich on someone's couch or, oh, that's great. or, or is it different now, you know, um, because you What's hear all these stories, so yeah, you know, I, I do a whole talk on ageism in tech and it's, it's born of, of the idea that we tell ourselves a lot of stories about how youth and tech go hand in hand. And you find this reflected in funding and by funders. But I can point to several, sto- several studies that will tell you that most of the highly profitable startups are started by people in their 40s. No kidding. And are they leaving big jobs to go f- you know, follow their dream? Sometimes. Sometimes they're serial entrepreneurs. But in every instance, they tend to be more experienced. 
But I can also at the same time point to companies that in the interview process will take points away from you for living in the suburbs, for having children, for being married, because we so believe the story about, about being in tech. You look, you look at Facebook, you look at um, Google, you look at um, some of the other um, edgy startup companies, and their average ages are under 30. Yes, yeah, yep, yep, yep. I mean, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say that when I was in my 20s and 30s, I was still like, you know, this is so Gen X of me, but I was still trying to figure out like what would turn me on. I did not have the wherewithal to think about building an idea out. Now, of course, it was different times then. That wasn't the culture, and, and tech had not gotten to the point now where I can sort of. SAS, you know, SAS everything and build something out of my house without having any of those skills. So it's a different world now, but I was not as focused as some of these millennials are and some of the ones coming up, like the 16-year-olds yeah. that are launching companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are some very, very talented people out there. And, and I'm not speaking against youth when I, when I say this, right? It's, it's more an issue of um, how we tell ourselves stories that aren't actually reflected in the landscape of what we do. I mean, I can point to so many seriously talented people in their 40s and 50s who cannot even get an interview. I can, I can tell you anecdotes at Google where people will say, if I haven't made it by the age of 28, I know I never will. God, you know, that is so depressing. And I think after this interview, I'm going to go have some chocolate. <laughs> but but I, I do think, you know, it changes. What you do see is then you see the entrepreneur booted out of their own con company, and then they hire the 40 or 50-year-olds to run it. And so there's the reverse discrimination, too, that that, that entrepreneur is incapable of running the company. Well, Lori, age-related claims in the California court system now outpace um, sexual harassment, um, race diversity, and um, every other kind of, of soft cause in, in the court system. Ageism leads them all. It has more than doubled just in the last two or three years. God, that is just and on both sides. Well, Jeff Taylor, we are running out of time because you are so much fun to talk to. And, <laughs> and I know you don't think this about yourself, but you have so many insights. You are so smart. You are sitting at the center of this, this twirl that we are all dying to understand. So when is the next TechCrunch? So Disrupt San Francisco... Um, is going to run September 12th through 14th. And, of course, we'll have the hackathon in front of that on September 10th and 11th. And then the one after that is is in New York? It's going London? to be in London. We'll be in L London December 3 through 6. And where can we, we find out more about all of this stuff? TechCrunch.com, your favorite place to consume content and learn about the best events. <laughs> and how about you? Are you posting anywhere? Are you blogging? Are you interviewing or speaking? Oh, God, it's, it's all I can do to get my job done and go home. If I can ever get this, this age or something on Medium, I'll, I'll let you know. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have had such a fun time today talking to the fabulous Jeff Taylor, who is, who is head of sponsorship-ish No, I'm Tech sponsor Bridge. relations. I'm not head of anything. They don't let me run stuff. You know what? I just think you should be. Maybe that's why I keep calling you that. Um, and you can find Jeff Taylor all over the place, one of the smartest guys around. Reach out to him. He is on Twitter, and you can find him on Facebook and in other social media platforms. And head out to TechCrunch Disrupt. It will really, really blow your mind up. It, it is one of the, the best days I ever spent was walking that floor 
courtesy of Mr. Taylor and, and seeing what's going on um, in, in our world. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Lori Schwartz, the Tech Cat, and you'll be hearing from us next week. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.